So, Berto, I have a lot of questions for you that a while ago I actually asked Colin to go to the fan page and gather a bunch of questions just for an episode in which we ask Umberto a bunch of questions. Let's read those questions from the listeners and have you answer them in as honest a way as possible. What do you say, Umberto? The narcissist in me loves it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Umberto? My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I am a high-altitude llama trainer. So if you're coming to this episode looking for a lot of psychology talk, you might not get much. There might be some, but this is just a fun episode in which I interview Umberto about random things. So, Berto, this first question is from Ed. We know good old Ed. He says, asks, what are your current thoughts and impressions of the Wim Hof Method? Oh, yeah. Um, What is the Wim Hof Method? The, is it Wim or Vim? Vim I don't Hoff. know. I don't know. Vim Hoff. Um, okay, so this guy, um, he is, I think he's Swedish. He's from one of those northern countries. Uh, many, many years ago, his wife, uh, I think, had, I believe, had cancer. She, she, she passed away, and he was left as, a, as an only father. Uh, and he just started really looking into different ways for him to overcome depression and overcome like health problems and things like this. Uh, and what he landed on was a combination of meditation, breathing methodology, like deep breathing methods, and cold. So he would uh, do these very long meditation sessions with deep hyperoxygenation breathing sessions, and he would go in freezing cold water. And then he started doing it more and more, he started getting very good at it, and he started doing challenges. Like he would go and do a, a freaking marathon wearing boxer shorts in the middle of the like a tundra or like ice and stuff. Then he did the same thing in hyper hot weather, like in the desert. And then he would go and break world records of being submerged in ice and, and all these other crazy things. Um, by the way, when I was younger, I, I remember when I was a kid, I remember hearing about the Shaolin monks up in Tibet and they could like sit there uh, lying naked in ice and be okay by meditating. I'm like, I, I, of course, as a kid, I believed it because I believed all the magic Kung Fu stuff. But then later I was like, ah, it's too bad that all that stuff is not real. However, it seems like there is some range of possibility to this thing. So uh, what he does is he trains people both through videos and in person and things like this, trains people on how to do these methods. And he's now becoming pretty well known. And so I found this, uh, I don't know, a few years ago or something on YouTube and I started watching it. And I haven't gone down the full path. I'm not going to the Arctic Circle to submerge myself. What I did start doing was practicing. I would do the cold showers and I would do the breathing method and um, I'll say that I can vouch for that much of it, meaning um, I, I started from, I, I used to loathe taking a cold shower or even like having cold water for a little bit, uh, partially because when I was a kid, there was a period of time when we lost hot water in my house in Bogota. Uh, and for a couple months, every morning, I had to take a freezing cold shower. And so it was like the super quickest thing I could do. And I just kind of got traumatized for that. So, But then I, I basically discovered a way to do it. So you could do this breathing method and be okay with it. And now I can basically, 
Uh, I'll start usually with warm water so I can actually soap well and get get the soap off well. But then I'll turn off the hot water altogether, turn the cold water on or turn it on more and just sit there for a couple minutes. Um, and it's really good. It feels really good. Uh, and also the breathing methods have really helped me. As you know, and we've discussed, I, I suffer from anxiety at times. Uh, and the breathing methodology has really helped me with that too. So I, I believe there's a lot of benefit to it. Yeah, I don't know anything about this stuff. I will say you should talk with your physician before you do anything like this. Uh, Tasha says, is there a skill you want to learn but haven't had a chance to, Berto? A skill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, I think, let's see. There's a couple things. One of them is I always want to get better at piano. And so, like, you know, I can play piano, but I really want to play, like, harder pieces, classical pieces, uh, for example, uh, last year, last year, this year, this year, yeah, this year, 2020, right? This year I started, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to learn um, Beethoven's Sonata Pathétique um, because I knew, I knew most of the, the part that everyone's familiar with, which is the dun, 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 da, 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 dun. Uh, which might sound familiar, but there's this whole other part that's super fast and very difficult. So I was like, oh, okay. And it's hard. And I just wish I had more time and dedication and maybe I'd started younger or whatever, but so that's something. The other one is, uh, I'm really into, uh, I'm really into machine learning and artificial intelligence, but again, I, I don't have enough time to, to do enough of it, but I kind of wish that I could just devote like a summer to deep diving on, on on that so who's your favorite musicians not a band but an individual who plays instruments well my favorite musician might still have to go to paul mccartney because that guy as you know plays everything writes amazing songs has an amazing voice super amazing performer so if if that counts it'd have to be paul mccartney yeah uh, what about be- you what's your what's yours um hmm yeah, I mean, Paul McCartney would definitely be an easy answer for me. You know, in a similar fashion, I might say Prince, because he could also oh, yeah. sing, play guitar, play piano, play bass, play drums. A lot of people don't know that he is a pretty good drummer, Prince. And Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder can yeah. sing, play piano, play the drums. He uh, Stevie Wonder is actually a really good drummer. Yeah. And I don't know why it is that I respect you, like Karen Carpenter can play the drums. Madonna used to play the drums. <laughs> I don't know what it is about multi-talented people like that that I just really respect. I wonder if it's similar. Well, for me, uh, I, I was never into... I mean, I can respect it technically. Like, you know, the the shredders, you know, like yeah. Steve Vai, uh, um, all these guys that do like... Yngwie <laughs> Malmsteen, all these things. I can respect it. Awesome. I mean, some crazy skills. But I was always more into people that were like well-rounded and awesome. So yes, like a Prince, like a Paul McCartney, because it's like, they're not, maybe Prince, but Paul McCartney is certainly not the best instrumentalist at any one of those instruments in the world. Not by far. Like there's people that will run circles around him. However, he could do probably the best musical output with any of those pieces. Right. (laughs) And so... Yeah, I mean, the piano part in Lady Madonna is just amazing. 
Yeah. Uh, the bass in Come Together is amazing. The the guitar in Taxman is amazing. You know, I've never liked Steve I. I don't like Yngwie Mousteen. I think that's crap. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get why people like it because it's, you know, hard and obviously difficult. But there's a certain – you just lose, you know – if I want to see someone do something impressive, okay, fine. But I, I want to listen to a song. I don't want to listen right. to yeah. something that's impressive. Anyway, Tasha also asks, is there an upcoming film you're excited for? Well, I want to see Tenet. Yeah. You know, I love Chris, Christopher Nolan. I I haven't heard or read anything. I, I just want to see it. I want to see it in the theater. I want to experience all the loudness yeah. with probably earplugs. But I still want to experience it. Famous patron Lyndon asks, what are your ideas to break the internet? To break? You mean like when someone says, oh, he broke the internet, that kind of thing? I mean, there's that, and then there's literally breaking the internet. <laughs> hacking, hacking the internet. My ideas to break the internet. I think it's how to break, how to, how to cre- create a viral sensation. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not uh, viral. <laughs> but um, let's see. I guess it would have to be, uh, found footage, found footage of let's let's say found footage of someone on the moon. Like, um, what's the astronaut? Uh, the first man on the moon. Scott? No, not Scott Glenn. Um, John um, Armstrong. Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like he's on the moon, but then the camera pans and it's the set. You know, it's the uh, Kubrick set. <laughs> that Rebecca, would be, Rebecca that would asks. Be what is your idea of a perfect date? So a mistake I made all the time when I was younger, when I would go on dates, is I would eat a lot at dinner. <laughs> ah, that's a terrible idea, dude. You're going to be full. You're going to need to use the bathroom. You're going to like probably have bad breath. Like who knows, right? So, uh, and it would make me sleepy. <laughs> so first off, we do a light like a light dinner, you know, something with like a salad, maybe a little libation, you know. And then we do something lightly active. So paint, paintball is actually too much, but more like um, laser tag. <laughs> or <laughs> Wait, let, you know, that actually is active. Laser tag, you get sweaty. Yeah, but, you know, we could, you know, we could moderate. We'll do a half hour of laser tag. <laughs> uh, actually, that's quite a bit. To 15 minutes. <laughs> Wait, so your perfect date starts off with a salad. <laughs> a light salad. And then laser tag. Okay, keep And then laser tag. Okay. Then once, we, once we're ready, then we go to find a unique location. For example, um, the troll, but the troll's too, too done by now. So like the troll in Seattle, you know, but instead we maybe go to a part of Alki that's not as traveled, you know. And we have a deep conversation about whether or not, you know, whether or not it is all about strings or is that too complicated? And it really, we need to follow what Wolfram is doing with like a simple model to explain physics. And like we have that kind of conversation for a while. And then one thing leads to another and I get our number. (laughs) What's your latest Spotify spin? I don't know what Spotify spin is. <laughs> what is a Spotify spin? A song. Is that like, oh. What's see, your latest, what song are you listening to? Oh my God, dude. I am, Grandpa Bardo doesn't listen to modern music. Well, yeah. Uh, so that's a given. What but. I listen to, I have an 80s playlist. 
Can you guess guess quickly a couple of the songs on that 80s playlist? Lonely Boy. Yep. Depeche Mode, Eurasia. Yeah, of course. But actually, I have a lot of stuff on there. But, and it's like a long list I curated. It's on uh, Apple Music, but, you know, same thing. And then I put it on Shuffle, and it'll come up, and it'll do a whole bunch of 80s songs. Beyond that, though, if I were going to pick something recently, because of our 12-hour marathon, I started listening a lot to Elliot Smith again. Yeah. And uh, I, I basically started... Um, doing the Elliot Smith album a lot again. So, yeah, that would be my latest spin. Uh, what Final Fantasy game is your favorite? Yeah, okay. So I, um, I realize that the purists will not like this answer, but Final Fantasy VII for me was how I was introduced into the series. I loved that game. I played it all the way to the finish. I couldn't beat all the, all the, uh, the big uh, machines. What do they call them? The... Anyways, the, the point is, um, yeah, I think they're called machines, but I, I really loved it. And now I'm playing the Final Fantasy VII uh, Fantasy Remake, which is a great game on its own. Uh, I also honorable mention to Final Fantasy XI, which is an MMO that I played. This one, I took time off work. Can you imagine, dude? I'm sitting there. There's llamas needed to be trained. And I don't know if you know, but at altitude, you don't get a lot of oxygen to your brain. And so the first bit of playing this game was a little tough because I was, I was a little loopy. But I spent a month playing Final Fantasy XI and nothing else, staying up way too many days in a row. And it was surreal. It was a surreal experience. It was like experiencing a whole other life. Yeah. So I, back in the day, would lament that often. Like when Baldur's Gate came out, I, I remember my – I. I had carpal tunnel, such, you know, for like a couple of days because I was playing that game so much. That would have been like 2002 or something. Yeah. And now in my old age, I wish that a video game could come along to grab right. my attention like that because I'm just old now and it's hard to it's hard to keep my attention. And so uh, recently I've been playing this web-based game called Warzone, which is like Risk, but it's oh. more complicated. And I've... I was excited last night because I stayed up till one in the morning playing wow. playing it, which means like, oh, I it's must actually you. like this game. Yeah. yeah. Patty asks, "What is your take on Juan Luis Guerra?" Oh my god! Oh my god! So it's Juan Luis Guerra. The the diphthong that is um, you kind of skip the web part. It's just gay. Juan Luis Guerra is, uh, I, I think he's from Dominican Republic. I think so. Anyways, a legend in salsa, merengue, bachata. He had a band called 440, 440. So this is who I learned to dance to. Uh, I was taught by my cousin and her friend, uh, Tatiana. I was taught how to dance when I was like 13, 14. Um, and we would listen to this Grupo Nietzsche and a few others, but it was like, and I first learned merengue because that's honestly the easiest one because all you have to do is it's a one-two step as you go around in circles and do lots of spins, whereas salsa is definitely trickier, so that was like the second thing I was trying to learn. But we would listen to these songs all the time, absolutely love them. He's got some beautiful songs. Uh, my my favorite is probably a song called Ay Mujer. Um, and you're, it's you're a, who? It's a merengue. Ay Mujer. Oh. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's it means like I or like whoa woman or not whoa it's more like ouch woman 
Ouch, woman. <laughs> Ay, mujer, tu cuerpo me hace falta ya. And it's just a beautiful song. And then he's got uh, some, some beautiful, what they call bachatas, which are these very kind of slow-moving songs. By the way, one time I was at a Mexican restaurant, and I, there was, there was, it was a salsa night, and people were dancing. And they start playing a bachata, and there's this couple, and they were probably in their 80s or something. They looked really old. But you could tell they were just like they'd been together for s centuries. And they were dancing to this bachata music. And it was the most beautiful dancing I've ever seen. Obviously, they'd been dancing all their lives together. They were so well choreographed, so well put together. They could have won any one of those like Dancing with the Stars things. It's amazing. Good old Santa asks, what is your real job? I grew up in the mountains of the Andes. Yeah. And there's lots of llamas. And llamas need training. And have you ever, by the way, ridden a llama? No. Neither have I. It's, they don't allow it at work. <laughs> but um, alpacas are similar. And I got to tell you, alpaca clothing is really great. Yeah. Good old Natasha asks, if you could time travel to any era, what would it be and why? Oh, dude, that's a great question. So I think, um, so in my thoughts here go like this. I'm... Not sure it's so safe to time travel, not only because of like the whole time paradoxes, but think about it. Like, oh, yeah, great. I'm going to time travel to Egypt when they were building the pyramids. Really? Like, you're going to get killed in like five seconds for many reasons. Uh, or you're going to be put to work on the said pyramids. So the remainder of your life is going to be as a slave. So you're like, well, no, 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 it's okay. I got it because I'll bring like weaponry and stuff. Really? Like, what are you going to bring? Like, I'm going to bring my AR-15 with my Second Amendment and, like, a pack of bullets on my backpack. I'll quickly be disarmed by these more athletic, like, Egyptians who are working for a living every single day with moving stones the size of two tons each. And they'll take my gun. It'll be a complete paradox. So they'll start deconstructing how this thing works. And now there'll be World War Seven all the way 2,000 years ago. No, no, it's a mess. So I feel like the only safe thing to do would be not to go too far. So I, and also if the rules are such that I can be more like a passive observer and not like mess anything to me. So then I, I, I would just go back within my lifetime. I'd go back to like 1975 and narcissistically watch myself being born and stuff. Maybe not like literally, but like right after like, oh, there I am. Like there's little Berto. <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah, they, uh, for me, the, that entertainment value would last about five seconds. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's an infant, you know, big deal. I guess I'd be interested in seeing if I was like three or four, what was my family like? You know, because my older brother and sister would have been like 10 and my parents would have been like 30. And that'd be interesting just to see yeah. what they were like. But I get, wow. but I bet you anything, again, after about 10 minutes, I'd be like, okay, they just look like my family younger. You know what I mean? Well, it would be at first, to be honest, at first it would be mind-blowing because it's like, it's like putting on a VR headset and someone 30 years ago or 50 years ago, whatever, recorded uh, a 360 video of something. And, you, and you're like, oh my God, I'm there. And it's the audio and everything. And even better because it's, it's, it looks completely real. <laughs> but you're right that like, so you'd be mind-blowing. You're like, I wish someone else could see this. That's me. And then... You're right. A little bit into it, you'll be like, what else can I see? Yeah. <laughs> Show me more. That's the most 2020 thing someone could say is, so it would be, you know, going back in time, it would be like 
VR, but like, <laughs> but like real, but better. <laughs> Although it's not as good as VR, because with VR you can fast forward and you can do. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's take a break. We'll get back. Let's answer more questions. What do you say, Bruno? Let's do it. All right, we're back from the break. Colin actually submitted these questions. What was the film that transformed you into the movie lover that you are? Describe the experience, please. I am a movie lover for sure. I know you are. You're a movie lover to the extreme because you watch so many movies. But I will say that I, I just, I do love movies. I, I got to give it to Empire. It's got to be Empire because Empire Strikes Back. It's my first memory. It's my first memory in a movie theater of my life. You know, I was five years old. Now, I know I had been in a movie theater before that, but this is my first memory. And it, imagine that first memory. It's like freaking Empire Strikes Back. That set me on a course of like escapism and just that feeling of in that darkness, looking on to this other reality and just admiring what people can do, you know, can just put together. And when it really comes together, like, like The Room or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you know, like these kind of great movies, you know, you just <laughs> really are moved. <laughs> yeah, I, for me, it's, I would say Empire probably, but I don't know, because it was more like a Star Wars thing than a movie thing. I think maybe for me what it would have been might have been Clockwork Orange or Brazil. You know, I'm going to say Brazil because Empire Strikes Back, I'm watching it. I'm nine years old. I'm into the story. I love it. But really, if you just would have showed me a cartoon of that or whatever, <laughs> I probably would have enjoyed it as well. It wasn't until I saw Brazil, maybe at the age of like 16. And I remember I was the only person I knew that had even seen the movie. I, I talked oh, wow. to my, you know, I go to school the next day and I'm like, have you seen this movie Brazil? And everyone's like, what, what are you talking about Brazil? And everyone heard of it before. So I was young enough to be with young people who had never heard of it before. And I felt like I had discovered this thing and I, I just felt the art form of filmmaking when I saw Brazil. And it still wow. is one of my favorite movies, honestly. The existential. Was that like the first was that the first kind of like artsy movie you saw? Or? Maybe. Or at least at the prime time. For me, I think when I'm in my teenage years, that's when I was most open to art. It's when I mm, advanced my understanding of music. It's when I advanced my understanding of of the written word. Uh, if you exposed me to something at the age of 10, I might have liked it. But I didn't really just fall into it the way I did when I was 13 to 18. There are things that I experienced in that time that I still remember today. I, I, re, I remember I went to a secondhand store, you know, uh, Cellophane Square, and I bought a bunch of Paul McCartney albums. And I'd never heard any of these records. And I remember just sitting, it was a summer, and I remember just sitting in my room, just listening to hours and hours, just doing nothing except just looking right. at the looking at the album art, maybe reading the lyrics, huh. and just listening to this music because there's nothing to do back then, right? You can't you can't go on the internet. Yeah. There's nothing to do, and so just absorbing the music. And I was so attuned to music that I could pick out the bass line, I could pick out you know the harmonies and whatnot. And 
So that's it for me. I'd say Brazil. Next question. What are some microaggressions you've had to battle in your life? Colin What is that you. supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> so in high school, when I moved up here, um, my physics teacher, uh, he would... So I was the best student in this class. And I sat right in front and he had this weird combination of on the one hand, he respected me from being the best student in his class. And I don't know if this was his way to like try to connect or something, but we'd always make racially charged jokes, always about Pablo Escobar and the drug stuff. So he'd be in the middle of a, like, imagine you're in class in physics class. It's the middle of the lecture. And the guy's like, da, 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 huh? Sort of like your uncle Pablo, huh? Like stuff like that. And I, at the time, didn't know not to find it funny or didn't realize that it was a micro or a macro aggression. I just laughed. I was like, ha, ha. You know, and the, and the class laughed. I was like, ha, ha, ha. And, and you know, my personality is such that I, I wouldn't have, in fact, gotten all beat up about it or something. But I didn't realize until years later, I was like, man, that was not okay. Well, at the you time, know? there was nothing you could have done. If you would have, right. if you would have said yeah. something, people would have been like, "Dude, lighten up!" Lighten up, dude. Yeah, yeah. So that was definitely one of the first ones. Uh, there was another one also in high school. I was applying for the honors English class in uh, junior year, and you had to do these readings over the summer, and then you had to like. And my teacher in tenth grade, she recommended me for the program, and I, I went. And the teacher said, the, the one in the advanced class told me, sorry, it's, the, the class is full. The class is full. And I was like, oh, okay. But like, that was bullshit. Because first of all, it's an honors class. It wasn't full. It was much less full than the normal class. Second, it's, she didn't believe, because she knew that I had come from Columbia just like a year prior. She probably had talked to my mom, and my mom has a thick accent. So, and again, I didn't realize it at the time. I just put it together later. I was like, I think she's like, this kid can't be in an honors English class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. So, I mean, those, those couple. Then the, the third one that really stood out was when I was starting my work many, 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 many moons ago, um, I, w- I was, there was a meeting that was going to happen, and I was trying to get the attention of someone. And these two people were talking, and I'm like, oh, that meeting's starting. And I think my boss had said, like, go get that person. Like, we need them to start the meeting. So I'm like, the meeting's starting. And they're like, just a minute. And I'm like, ah. And, you know, keep in mind, I'm like 20 at the time. So I'm, I'm a kid. And I'm like, ah, okay, but, but the meeting's starting. He's like, well, we'll be right there. And then later I found out that the other person had told him, he said, like, huh, language barrier? <laughs> like, they said, language barrier? And again, at the time, I just thought it was funny. But as I grew older, I was like, man, that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> And again, if it was just one instance, then it's like, okay, or once a year. But yeah. when you experience these things just repeatedly over and over and over again, this assumption that you're a foreigner, that you don't get it, that right. uh, there's no point in really investigating it because you're just yeah. a, you're an ignorant, dumb foreigner that doesn't understand things. It's, it's that kind of thing. All right, this next question from Colin. What television shows do you deem binge-worthy and why? Television shows that I deem binge-worthy. Well, recently I binged worthy Ned watched um, the, the Cobra Kai show, which is the uh, follow-up to the Karate Kid series. 
Um, and that was a lot of fun because it was essentially, you know, it's, it's got this eighties feeling to it and it totally deconstructs the whole thing. Looks at it from the side of the bully and like makes you question who's the real bully. It's lot, lot, lots of fun. It's got the original actors and it would have had Pat Morita in it if he were still around. Um, oh, I wish that it had, maybe in the next season, they might have our friend from Kona Kitchen. But anyways, uh, really fun show. Uh, I definitely, I mean, but the most binge worthy, like the thing that I think started me down the path of, of even the concept of binging TV shows was 24. First of all, binging TV shows didn't used to be a thing. Well, not easily. I'm sure people would have maybe recorded with their VHS players. No, it was not a thing. You, like, it was virtually impossible. You would have had impossible. You would have had to have somehow never seen the show, which is weird. Yeah. And then got an entire season on VHS. <laughs> on VHS. So this was not a reality. It was not a thing. The most that we had was whenever they would do marathons. They would do a marathon, of a Bond marathon on TV. Yeah, but that's not really a like binge. That. It's more like, right. how many did you catch yeah, on TV? Yeah, exactly. So, but when 24 came out, I actually, when the first episode aired, I watched it the day it aired, and I, I, and I stopped after that. I'm like, oh, I can't do this. This is too addicting. Like, I want to know what happens, but I can't do it. So I waited a few years, and then, in fact, got the DVDs, and I think I binged watched season one through five so quickly, spent so many sleepless nights. It was so addicting, that little clock countdown. What happens next? What happens next? Yeah. They kidnapped his daughter again. (laughs) For me, it was Lost, and it was getting the DVDs from Netflix and watching that first season uh, just totally. I remember it would have been 2005, I'm guessing, and maybe 2007 or eight. and I remember just – Say, oh my God, I gotta watch the next episode. Little did I know that they were just just <laughs> completely vomiting. Really, even in the first season, really. Yeah, I mean, because we just didn't know. We thought they had a plan. Yeah, if like I bet you anything, if I went back to the first season, I'd be disgusted with how stupid the writing was. But the yeah. way they made it seem in the first season was that it's all gonna pay off. It all it's means all something. Oh, <gasps> what's that mean? Yeah. What? And you're just like, how are they gonna pull this all together? And they just never did. Right. I mean, well, like the dumbest, what a, most Scooby-Doo way of writing a TV show. It's terrible. Yeah, totally. And what a sad thing, too, because you're right. So I actually um, didn't get into it when it first came out, not because I tried it and didn't like it. I had heard about it loosely, but hadn't watched it. And then I kept hearing this growing buzz about like, so by the time season two had finished, it was at a the fever pitch. Everyone's was like, lost, lost, lost. So that's when I got the DVDs and I and I powered through season one and two and i was so into it and i remember after season two there was an alternate reality game that played out uh with clues it was mostly done in europe but i i was like totally into it me and a buddy we were like comparing notes like what's gonna happen what's your theory on this what's your theory on that and then season three came out and it was like wait what yeah we've talked about this before but i'm reminded of it so Uh, i was a hundred ten percent in until yeah. about – so I binge-watched season one after it came out and then was watching season two as it was being released. And it was the talk of the town. I mean that's all yeah. anyone could talk about. Mm-hmm. And 
then about halfway through season two, I remember that, you know, they're in the bunker at that point. And I think it was someone gets their legs caught in a thing and, the, you know, the door comes down and then maybe it was John or something. And he's looking up and he's seeing all these symbols that like just show up randomly yeah. on the ceiling. I, I think it was that scene. I remember going like, whoa. And then, you know, the episode ends. And I remember thinking about it and going like, well, wait, what? <laughs> I remember thinking, okay, let me think about this for a second. <laughs> so the the black kid shows up with water all over his face in season one. He has it. We don't know what happened to him. Yeah. The smoke they, monster yeah. thing. The the polar bear thing. The, the, the lottery numbers thing. Right. The hatch thing, the symbols thing, that thing that you have to make sure you run every day or yep. else the world blows up thing. I remember just thinking like, oh, I, even if this does wrap up, this is the – and this is why I always say I hate horror <laughs> movies because at some point when I'm watching horror movies and Lost Included, I'm like, well, whatever world they're in, there's no logical way out of it. Because every day there's another weird twist. So <laughs> these characters are leaves in the wind. You know, they're, yeah, they're leaves yeah. in the wind. <clears throat> there's nothing they can do. In Empire Strikes Back, uh, Han Solo has a mission that he wants to follow. Right. There's, there's a chance that he can win. It, the world isn't cons- completely <laughs> conspiring against him. Luke Skywalker has yeah. a choice. He can either join uh, Darth or he can jump. There's the, the character we identify with. There's a way out and right. lost about halfway through season two. I was like, there's no way out. There's no way to decipher anything. And I'm done. <laughs> and I right. thought – and I was like, but what if it does pay off? And I worried about that. And every once in a yeah. while, I would check in with you actually. I'd, I remember we were at a, a New Year's Eve party around <laughs> after season three or four. And I remember we were at, uh, at uh, Shun's brother's party. Uh, oh, yeah. At Ken's. Yeah. Yeah. On Queen Anne, and I remember asking you. I was like, "So where are we right now in this story?" And you're, and you're like, and you were still kind of halfway into it. So you're like, "Well, okay, let me explain it." You know, this and this and this. And I was like, "Have they explained this and this and this?" You're like, "Well, no, not really." And I, and I was like, "Okay, I'm glad that I bounced." You know, but if I was to answer this question, what television show do I deem binge worthy? I mean, there's so many. Uh, Stranger Things. I can't, I can't imagine having never watched any of them and watched like all three seasons at once. That'd be awesome. Oh, that's uh, true. I'm binging the Umbrella Academy right now, which I highly recommend. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have the comic book, the graphic novel. Yeah, it is. It's really good. It is uh, uh, one of the best TV shows that's been made in the past couple of years. Like it is the, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a superhero story. Yeah. But I mean, I want to watch it. It's just, I, I I um I I was recommended the graphic novel and so I did one of those like ah, I don't want to watch it before I read the so yeah I, I, I think it's it. I think it's quite a bit different from the graphic novel from what I understand or different enough anyway okay um other shows the boys uh, tomorrow actually the boys second season comes out which I can't oh really before. already yeah wow. I'll, I'll binge that sucker um the first season of the oa which i cannot recommend because it's so weird but me and stacy stayed up till like 5 30 on a weeknight finishing that first season okay. because don't we say could, anything because i've only seen the first episode of the oa of the oa well so yeah i mean i don't even know if i could say anything but yeah it is 
I don't know what it was about that show. It, you almost kind of have to be at 5.30 in the morning to appreciate it. To appreciate it. <laughs> because it's, it's a very unusual story. Like there's really nothing. I can't think of a single story that is yeah. even close to – Whoever you know, I think that yeah. that lead woman actually wrote. Well, even that even that first episode, because I had already been recommended, I think by you, by other people, and I already heard, and I was like, okay, 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 what's? And then I watched the first episode. I'm like, okay, this is this is weird. <laughs> but but I I don't. I mean, if you finish it, I I am simultaneously apologetic, and you can okay. thank me. Like I don't know what's going to happen to you. Sure, sure, sure. Next question here. If you were to turn Oh, by the way, sorry, sorry. One more series that was so bingeable and then also got ruined was Heroes. Yeah. That first season of Heroes was genius. It was so fun. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you were to turn your life into a science fiction film, what would the plot premise themes be? Oh, easy. Like it's uh, the, you know, okay. So it takes place uh, in 2020. A pandemic has broken out globally. There is some buffoon in charge of things. And then this one dude who normally builds electric cars has invented a little thing they call the Neuralink. And it's going to let you not only control things with your brain, but it's also going to be able to record your memories. And so then I buy one of these things. But then when it starts recording my memories and then I play them back, the memories are not quite right. Like there's little things. And then they assure me on call help support. Like, oh yeah, no, that it, it just gets better over time. Don't worry about it. I'm like, really? But then I, I watch another memory and in this one, like I kill someone. And I'm like, well, what? And then the cops show up at my door and, and they're like, uh, sir, we have it on authority that you've murdered someone. I'm like, no. And then they play back the memory and the memory shows that I did. But I'm like, that's not my memory. And then I go on the run like a fugitive. And then it's all crazy because I have to use the same device to like try to like fix the memories and then implant other memories. And it's crazy. What is someone or something that everyone seems to like, but you don't and why? Oh yeah, dude. And you I've can't. Got many she, of and he, Colin says you can't say John Mulaney because we've already talked about this before. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I won't go John Mulaney. Uh, well, first of all, this will gain me a lot of enemies, but I'm not anywhere near into sports as most people are into sports. Um, although I am into the UFC stuff, but not even that much. Like, like for example, I love basketball. Basketball is my jam, but I don't watch basketball. You know, like I know some of the players, but I don't. You know, so true fans of basketball would not consider me a fan of basketball. I, I don't watch it, but I do love it. I watched the whole Michael Jordan movie thing they put out. Loved it. It was amazing. Um, and so whole, the whole football and like, you know, and you, in fact, you just recruited me for a football fantasy football league. And I thought we were doing soccer, but it was actually the other kind of football. Um, and I'll do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be competitive. and I'm going to beat y'all your asses. But... The funny thing like is, you, you probably will. You probably will be. That's what should be funny. Beginner's luck. So, so sports, and then the other, the other one that I think is very commonly loved, and I just don't like go down that road as much, is uh, cold pizza. <laughs> I hate cold pizza. Oh, really? Yeah, I hate it. Wow. Hate it with a passion. Yeah. I can't. E I, I can't even say I hate it because I wouldn't touch the thing with a ten foot pole. Yeah. <laughs> what popped in my head right now is. Well, there's two things. One is, is, and this is, I've said this before, that I actually came out of the closet when I was about 35 years old, that I don't like camping. 
being oh, in Seattle right. and to say you don't like camping is <laughs> is like terrible. I, Sacrilege. There are people that I'll say this to, and I'm sure half of you listening right now are thinking this. You're just like, Kirk, how can you hate camping? <laughs> and, and you know, people will get so judgmental and so upset at me, and they'll be like, well, you must not have done it right or this sort of thing. And, I, and I'm always like, no, I've done it. <laughs> I grew up in Seattle. I've done a lot of camping in my life. I'm just not into it. I, I like to sleep in a comfortable bed at home. <laughs> and what's wrong with I like the outdoors. I like to go hiking. I like to sit around a fire. I just don't like sleeping in a cold tent, you know, on, on the ground. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of, you know, camping. And then if when we get into glamping, then I'm like, well, I might as well just go home. Or I might as well just yeah, go, we'll to, go to a hotel. Or just go to a hotel. I mean, <laughs> if you're glamping, what's the point? So I, I'm not into camping, and everyone is very angry at me about that. And then occasionally when someone's angry at me, I'll be like, well, when was the last time you went camping? They're like, well, I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, scheduling. I'm like, when was the last time? <laughs> oh, like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So you must <laughs> love camping. You're like, you don't get it. I, I think that people, they want to love camping for the idea of it or something. And it, it's like. <laughs> so you don't have to convince me, man. First of all, I grew up in Bogota. It's, it's a big city. There's no camping. You know, like I don't go camping. Where do I go camping? In fact, I only went camping one time in my entire career in Colombia. It was with my dad. And the only reason we went camping, it wasn't to go camping. We went to a warm weather city that was way down the mountain. And, it, and when I say warm, I mean like 102 degree warm, like really warm and super humid. And we just didn't have money for staying somewhere nice. Yeah. So we just took a tent and stayed in the tent. Right. That's, that's that, why we went camping. <laughs> yeah, that's part of it for me, too, is that most of my camping happened when I literally could not afford to stay anywhere else. Right. And me and my friends would just find a place just to sleep at night because we couldn't afford to go anywhere else anyway. Right. The other thing I'll say that I've never said before is reading fiction, actual fiction books. Uh, I'll listen to oh. audiobooks, but just sitting down and reading a fiction book for whatever – I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't do it. But you read Game of Thrones. Jeez. I listened to Game of Thrones. Oh, I, you listened to I listened it. to it. I listened to all the Harry Potter books on cassette, okay. by the way. Okay. Um, I love I love listening to audiobooks for sure. But, Interesting. But reading, just sitting down and reading a book, for some reason, I just it just never huh. occurs to me. I have read some books, but you know, to say that in my circle is sacrilegious. Like, how sure. can you not love to sit down with a good fiction or a Stephen King book and just and just cozy up and read it? Like, yeah. I just, I mean, I'm not saying I hate it, but I never do it. I don't. I don't right. I, the last time I did it would have been like 15 years ago or something, before like readers came out and before <laughs> audiobooks was, were more prevalent. Sure. Anyway. The last question is the most important, according to Colin. Boxers, oh. brief, or pantaloons? <laughs> well, first of all, what are pantaloons? I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, neither, because I, I like boxer briefs, right? Like yeah. boxers. Like, so let, let's get nomenclature here. The briefs are like the little Bermuda Triangle ones, right? Like the little, they're little. They're, yeah. they, they don't have any, they're, they're like uh, Speedos, basically. Yeah. Okay. So I, I've always hated those. They're, they're very constricting. They're very uncomfortable. Um, number two, boxers 
I've never liked either. There, it's, it's way too. I might as well not wear anything. It's like things go everywhere. It's it's not fun. Um, so I like boxer briefs, which are the ones that are like you know like sporty, you know. Yeah. And they can have all sorts of cool designs on them, like Empire Strikes Back themed. Uh, final question, Berto from Good Old Louise. She asks, "What is your favorite musical decade?" Favorite <laughs> musical decade. Is this a trick question? I mean, there's only one right answer for anyone in all of human history and forever, and it's the glorious 80s. But, you know, I say this almost tongue-in-cheek, but in reality, like, let's just look at it. You, you could say, well, it's because you, that's when you were in your, you know, your age that everyone kind of gets attached to music and stuff. Sure. But, man, when were music videos invented? I mean, like, invented as in, like, made a thing. It was the 80s. MTV was when MTV was actually music television. It was when freaking Sting and Michael and Madonna and Prince and, like, all the greats were there. And all the bands that anyone wants to watch these days, guess what? They were playing in the 80s. All the best music, all the best single one-hit wonders of all time in the 80s. Yeah. When, you, when was the last time you put on a top 100 singles of, like, the 2010s? Well, like, no. people who turned 15 in 2010, that's who. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say the same. Obviously, we're, you know, similar age, so I would say the same. In fact, 1985 is, is the year that I would say. But, of course, you know, it just has to do with when we come out. I mean, if I asked my parents this question, if you asked your parents this question, they wouldn't say the 80s. They would say... Um, whenever I, I, I I'm almost positive ninety percent of people when asked this question they will say the decade in which they were a teenager. If you, you were a teenager right. in the nineties, if you were teenagers in the zeros, now I'm guessing this is just me. I don't know if it's just getting old or whatever, but with the advent of Spotify and YouTube, where you can access literally every single song that's ever been made, I have a feeling that young people today are more prone to um, fetishizing past decades. Also, there's more music to listen to in the past. You know, when we came up, we had contemporary music in the 80s, which, of course, we're going to listen to Top 40. Classic rock. We had classic rock and we had the 70s music, which was definitely stuff we might dip into. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the 60s. You got the Beatles and the Stones and the Doors and... The monkeys and you know, and then the rest was oldies. <laughs> and the, yeah, and, and then you have the fifties. You know, maybe some Elvis, but that wasn't really anything that you anyone our age would listen to. And then you got like really old stuff that that doesn't even have vocals in it. Mostly, yeah. you know, it's it's what's his uh, I can't remember his name, the clarinet guy. Um, and and so you really had this limited thing. And so in the eighties, we fetishized the sixties. I remember it was all about the sixties. You know. Because the 70s was too recent yeah. and the 80s was top 40. And so me and my friends, it was all about the 60s. Kids today, they could listen to anything and they might kind of blend it all together. of just like, I don't really care what decade this comes from. I like Billy Idol. and Because to a young person today, just think about it. <laughs> and I don't know if this is true. But to them, like Snoop Dogg is in the same era as like Led Zeppelin, because it's all a long time ago. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? 
And so I, I wonder if kids today, and I've seen this anecdotally a little bit, that because of the vast catalog of music, they're not as necessarily married solely to top 40 of today. Yeah, that's probably true. And, and I, I agree. But there is something, there was something fun that doesn't, that I don't see kids doing. And maybe it's because I don't hang around kids' playgrounds or something. But like, <laughs> like I didn't disdain the top 40. Maybe that was because I was younger or whatever. But like, I looked forward to Casey Kasem. Tell me what's yeah, up. I did too. You know, uh, when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, I listened to top 40. Yeah. Uh, not Casey Kasem. It was Rick Dees in in, okay. in the West Coast. It was Rick Dees. But then I became a little bit of a hipster at the age of like 16, 17. I refused to listen to any top 40. <laughs> they would play Casey Kasem in Columbia and I would listen to that. And I was always like, oh, what's going to be number 10? And then I would compare notes the next morning in the school bus and at school. Oh, yeah. And it's like, did you hear that new song? And then because I could sing, like all the, all the girls that I was friends with were like, sing that new song by such and such. Um, it was just so fun, dude. All right. Let's end this uh, train wreck that I started. <laughs> Everyone out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. 